Well, good morning again, and what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. This morning, we're continuing our Miracles and Parables sermon series. And this morning, we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 13. And so I've got good news for you. We only have 15 chapters to go. Um, We've been here for a while, and I'm just excited about what God has been teaching me, and I pray teaching you as we've walked through these passages of scriptures together. I read a story about an 80-year-old grandfather. Following church one Sunday, he went to his granddaughter's house to have lunch. And after lunch was over, he he excuses himself from the table, and he tells everybody, I'm going to go out for a walk, and I'll be back in about 20 minutes. Well, 20 minutes turns into 40 minutes. 40 minutes turns into 60 minutes. And before long, this um, man is gone for about two, two hours. And the family becomes restless. And, and they're, they're, they're about to send out a search party for him. And finally, he walks in the door and he says this. He said, I'm sorry I am late, but I stopped to st- I stopped to talk to an old friend, and I just couldn't get him to stop listening to me. You know, folks, as Christ followers, we must never stop listening to the Lord Jesus Christ. By way of review, over the past few weeks, we have been looking at at showdown after showdown between Jesus and the Pharisees. And in the midst of these showdowns, the Pharisees have set out to kill Jesus. They have conspired to kill him. They realize that they can't stump him. They realize that they can't accuse him of doing anything wrong. So they have set out to kill him. This morning, we're looking at a passage of scripture that, that many of us in this room are very familiar with. Many of you have heard sermon after sermon from this particular passage of scripture. The story is told by Jesus of a man that goes out and sows some seed. This seed that is sown lands in the midst of four different kinds of soil. And so that brings us to our message point this morning. Our message point is this. As we walk through this message together, ask yourself this question. Which soil represents your response to God and his word? Which soil represents your response to God and his word? No, the soil represents our heart and the seed represents the word of God. So as we walk through this, just be aware of that. The first thing that I want us to see this morning is this. A parable explained. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. If you haven't already done that, we're going to begin reading from verse number 1. This first section here, we'll read verses 1 through 3. So a parable explained. This is what God's Word says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables. Here's what a parable is. A simple definition is this. A parable is a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. One person wrote, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus frequently 
spoke in parables, frequently taught using parables. In fact, there are some 35 different recorded parables in the gospel. So we have to ask ourselves this morning, why all of a sudden does Jesus change his teaching technique, his teaching style? That is the exact same question that the that the disciples asked Jesus. So drop down with me. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to kind of skip around through Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. We're going to, we're going to go through all of the different verses, but we're going to do this in different sections. So let's drop down to Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, and hear Jesus' response to his disciples. It says this, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. You see what Jesus does here? What does Jesus do? Jesus teaches his disciples about what a parable is by explaining to them a parable using a parable. I love Jesus' sense of humor. I love how Jesus teaches and how he explains things to us. One writer paraphrased this passage of Scripture as Jesus, as if Jesus was saying this, Spiritual truth is so explosive that I don't want to just leave it lying around for anyone to grab. It is so valuable that if you want it, you're going to have to dig below the surface to find it, but the reward will be worth the effort. That's how one writer explained that, um, what Jesus was saying to his disciples. Drop down now and read with me in verse 14, or continue reading with me. Jesus goes on to say, Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. In their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Parables do two things. The first thing a parable does is it conceals a truth. They conceal a truth. The reason Jesus spoke in parables was to hide the truth from those whose heart had become so hardened to the truth of God's Word. Two weeks ago, we looked at the one unpardonable sin. The one sin that is unforgivable. And that is this, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Our outright cursing the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the one unforgivable sin 
that Jesus explained to us. When a person has allowed their hearts to become so hard that they've completely rejected the Lord, that is a form of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And the Pharisees had become such people. They had witnessed Jesus over and over and over. And we've looked at this week in and week out. They have witnessed Jesus demonstrate his authority over nature, demonstrate his authority over sin, over salvation, over demons, over disease, over sickness, over brokenness. They've witnessed all of these things, but they have chosen not to believe. Instead of recognizing Jesus as being the son of God, They call him the devil. They rejected Jesus. So Jesus made it clear that because of their rejection, the things of God was going to be hidden from them. So parables conceal the truth, but they also reveal a truth. For, For the person with an open heart, the gospel is revealed. Jesus came to reveal to you and I the truth about his kingdom, the truth about the kingdom of God. The Pharisees were blinded to this truth because they did not believe. They had become so hardened in their heart. Because of their unbelief and and the unbelief of those within the crowd, they could not understand the truth that Jesus was teaching to them that day or in any other parables that he would teach. It just blows me away that the truth was right in front of them. But they chose over and over and over to reject that truth. To not believe that truth. As long as you and I always have an open heart, always have a teachable spirit, God's word will always be made alive when we read it. Notice our second point. Our second point is this, the sower. Let's look at the sower. We read in verse 3, And he told them many things in parables. A sower went out to sow. You know, we don't know a whole lot about this sower. We don't know his age. We don't know his name. We don't know how long he had been out uh, or been a farmer. We don't know many things about him, but we do know that he was wise. He was wise in the sense that he knew the potential that was in the seed. He knew that those seeds would never return a yield if they remained on his shelf in his home. Folks, if you and I allow God's word to sit on our shelves throughout the week or to sit in our back seats throughout the week, then guess what's going to happen? God's word is never going to become alive to us. We're never going to ever understand the potential of God's word if we don't read God's word and study God's word and digest God's word and apply his word to our lives. So this sower was wise in the sense that he knew the power that was in that seed, and so he went out and noticed the sower's work. Here's what um, the sower did. Back in, um, back in the first century, the way that a person um, planted seed was much different than the way that we do it today. If you're a farmer then, or know a farmer, then what a farmer does today is they go out and they till up all of the ground. 
And they prepare the ground um, for the seed. So they till it up, they plow it, and then they make row after row after row after row. And they drop that seed inside of that row. And then they cover up the dirt behind them so that that seed um, is, is firmly planted in the ground. But in the first century, it was much different than it is today. What a sower would do in the first century is they would take a bag kind of like this, and they would fill that bag up with seed. And they would reach their hands inside of that bag and grab a handful of seed and they would just cast it out. They would cast it out all over their land. And most people owned anywhere between an acre or two acres back in this, back in the day, whenever they went out and, and prepared their, their ground for, for, for their crops. And so they would cast this seed out everywhere. And some of that seed would land on the, the beaten path, the walkway. And that walkway would be like this ground. It would be impenetrable because it would be as hard as a rock. Others of those um, seeds would fall in the midst of rocks. And so the sower obviously couldn't go and dig up all of those seeds. He would leave those there. Some of the seed, we're told, it would fall amongst thorn bushes um, and the seed would remain there. But some of that seed would land on that fertile ground. And once that seed had been cast out all over this person's land, he would then go and till up the ground and allow all of that seed to penetrate into that ground so that it would be able to yield a crop. And so that's kind of how they did things in the first century. They did them much differently than you and I um, sow seed today. I want you to know this this morning. You and I are sowers. We are sowers of the word of God. We have been set apart by God to go out into this world and cast the seed of truth amongst those that we come in contact with. We are to be sowers across these cities, across this state, across this nation, and around this world. We are to sow the truth of God's word. We're going to have many opportunities, I pray, over the next year or so to do work down in the Hurricane Harvey. Um, We know, all of us have watched the news uh, many of you had family members that I was in contact with you about this week that were directly affected by those floodwaters. And we want to be a church that responds not only through goods that we give, but we also want to respond by providing some labor in those areas so that as we go and do good works, we can also spread the good news. That's what a sower does. A sower that sows God's word, they go out and they spread the good news of salvation. So notice our next point here. Notice the seed. Notice the seed. We read in Matthew 13, 4, it says this. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. In the parallel passage of Luke, Jesus clearly tells us that the seed represents the Word of God. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, we read this. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. So knowing that the seed is the Word of God, notice the power of the seed. In Isaiah fifty-five eleven, we read this. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God, this word, 
transforms lives, doesn't it? It always has and it always will. I read a story this week um, about a, a, a um, gentleman by the name of Dr. Gaylord Gambarimi. He was the general secretary for the International Bible Society in Zimbabwe. Once he was passing out New Testaments in a particular village. And he came across a very skeptical man that told him that he would not receive that word. And so the man convinces him to take the Holy Bible. And the man says, here's what I will do. I'm going to take your word and I'm going to tear out all of the pages. And I'm going to smoke each page is what he said. And the man told him this. He says, if you do that, then please promise me this, that you'll read every page before you smoke that page. Years later, he met this man at a Christian convention. This scripture-smoking man had been saved and was now an evangelist. And he stood before this assembly of people, and he shared his testimony. And the man told how he had received a New Testament and he made cigarettes out of it. He said, I smoked my way through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But when I came to the book of John and read John 3.16, I got down on my knees and Jesus changed my life. That's what God's Word does. God's Word changes people's lives. One of our core values at Friendship, in fact, our first core value is the Word of God. And I've shared this with you before, but someone said, when we hear the Word, it gets into our head. When we discover the Word, it gets into our heart. And when we apply the Word, it gets into our hands. In Hebrews 4.12, we read this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divisions of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This Word... God's Word is living and active. It is not some dead book that that doesn't pertain to us today. It is just as as alive today as it was when Jesus spoke the words or when God inspired these men who wrote this Word to pen this Word. It is alive. It is living. It is active. It is powerful. Okay, so the Word of God is power. There is power in the seed. In the Word of God. Notice also the potential that is found within the seed. We read in verse 8 of Matthew 13 Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Just like one small seed can produce hundreds or even thousands of other seeds, so does God's Word. It multiplies and God's Word increases. In fact, we read in Acts 12.24, it says, But the Word of God increased and multiplied. That is what God's Word does. It increases. It multiplies. It does not return to us void. The Word of God is not dead. And because it is not dead, it is not intended to sit around on our shelves or in our back seats or on our counters at our homes collecting dust 
between Sunday to Sunday. We only grab it when we run to church. God's Word is intended to be read and studied, and it is intended to be digested and applied every single day of our lives. This past week, Connor came into my office on Thursday, and and he shared with me that one of his football buddies was going to be going down south to um, take some some supplies down to help with the Hurricane Harvey relief. And so he came into my office and said, Dad, do we have any Bibles around? Because my, my friend wants to take some some down. And and so Connor and I walked around this church and we found um a couple dozen different Bibles. Some of your Bibles that you've left around may be now down around the hurricane um, um, ravaged area, okay? And, and so here's the deal with that. What good were those Bibles doing us sitting back on some of these shelves or underneath the counter out there in, in the, the foyer? Absolutely nothing. God's Word is not intended to be set around. It's intended to be read and studied and applied. So why, did, why don't we take God's Word that was collecting dust here and send it down to these men and women, student and children that lost their Bibles when the waters rose in their houses? That's exactly what we did. And I'm proud of Connor and his, and his team for what they were doing. In 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, we read this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. What did we just read there? We read that this word is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that we can be found complete and equipped, and equipped for every good work that the Lord has for us. You know, this word, like I said, is not intended to sit around and collect dust. When we walk through our Believe series, one of the the weeks we looked at Bible setting, we talked about how God's word is more than just ink on a page. It is the very breath of God on the page. And so we need to take this word and apply it daily to our lives. When you came in this morning, some of you thought that I was giving you a snack. Um, But let me strongly encourage you not to eat this, okay? Um, And if you have, then call 911 now. Just kidding. Um, But when you came in this morning, you received four different bags. And each one of these bags represents the four different um, soils or grounds that we read about this morning. So the first one was the, the type of ground where the seed fell on the pathway. Then we have the seed that's in amongst the rocks. And then there's another bag of seeds that is in um, with the, the, the rose um, bush um, stems there. And I want you to know that I bought my wife roses yesterday, and here's proof of that, okay? Um, and then the other bag here is the seed that fell amongst the, the good soil. And so as we walk through this last point this morning, the soil is our last point. As we walk through this last point, ask yourself, which one of these four different ground types does your life represent? When God's word is cast out, how do you receive his word? Ask yourself that as we walk through this last point this morning. 
So we read here in Matthew chapter 13, verses 4 through 9, it says this. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on soil, on good soil, and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, as we, as we looked at the point on the seed, when that sower cast out those seeds, much of that seed was wasted. Much of that seed fell amongst um, the ground or the rocks or the thorns, and it would never yield any fruit. But only one of those soils, seeds fell amongst the good soil, and it will yield plenty. We must ask ourselves how our investment of God's word is going within our own lives as well as within the lives of those that we do life with. So there's four types of soil. The first one is this. It is the pathway soil. And this is, as we look at verses 19 through 23, we're going to look at Jesus' explanation of the parable that he shared with his disciples and the crowd. So Subpoint so one is the pathway soil. In verse 19, we read, When anyone hears the word of God, or the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. Soil number one is the pathway soil. The pathway soil is the dirt roadway that is constantly walked on. It has been walked on so much that it has turned hard and impenetrable. When the seed falls on this kind of soil, guess what happens? The, the birds of the air comes and immediately snatches it away. Or as Jesus just explains here, the devil comes and he snatches it away from us immediately. Jesus says that this soil represents those who have heard the word of God but do not understand the word of God. This type of person is a person that hears in one ear, and it goes right out the other ear. Sometimes as I'm preaching, I look out, and it looks like some of you. It's going in one ear and out the other. And I know it's not you. I know it's me, usually, for, for why that happens. But all of us have talked to our children at some time, and it's just like talking to a brick wall, right? Man, it's going in one ear, and it's coming out the other ear, and they're not grasping anything that you're trying to tell them. And that is what happens to this seed that falls on the pathway. It is heard, but it is not received. This is the only one of the four soils where the person hears the word, but the word does not penetrate in any way whatsoever. This person does not understand the word because they have so hardened their hearts to the truth of God's word. Notice the second type of soil. It is the rocky soil. We read in verses 20 and 21, it says this. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. 
yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This next soil represents the person who gladly receives the word of God. However, when times of trials or tribulation or persecution comes their way, they abandon their faith. They abandon it it because their faith is so superficial. Let's just say that it's a surface level faith. It has not moved from the head to the heart. There are absolutely no root system that takes place in their lives when they receive the word. There is no depth to their walk. Some of us must ask ourselves this morning, when I hear the word of God, yes, I gladly receive it, but does that word take root in my life. When I read God's word, am I reading just literally just words on a page or is this word coming alive and taking root in my life? Many of you have heard the word and received the word, but you have never really responded to the truth of God's word. You have not allowed this word to become a lamp unto your your feet and a light unto your path, as we read in Psalm 119, 105 earlier in our service. The next kind of soil represented is the thorny soil. In verse 22, we read, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This person, like the last person, gladly receives the word. They love God's word. They love the warmth and the glow that comes with the word. But here's what happens to this person. They allow God's word to be crowded out by the things of this world. Every single day, every single one of us in this room have a million things that are competing um, for our attention, right? A million different things are competing for our attention. Where does God's word usually take um, precedence in our lives? Is it the first thing that we do where we study God's word? Or do we put God's word on the back burner and we tell ourselves that I'll get to your word, God, when I have time to get to your word? Think about how quickly God's word becomes crowded out of our lives, choked out by the everyday pressures of this world, like screaming kids. You may sit down to begin your Bible study in the morning and all of a sudden there's screaming kids in the background. And what do you do? You leave God's word on the, on the kitchen table and you go tend to your children. Or maybe there are work projects that, 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 that battle for your attention or sports or school or homework. Maybe television takes precedence. Maybe books take precedence. Maybe marriage struggles kind of choke out God's word from your life or financial struggles choke out God's word The list goes on and on for those things that are vying for our attention. This person lives between the tension of God's word and the world every single day. And because of that, they're not willing to take up their cross and follow Jesus Christ every day. They're not willing to take up their cross and abandon everything for the sake of the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that person represent you this morning? 
When life gets hard, do you allow the world and Satan to choke out the word of God from your life? Our final soil this morning is the fertile soil. We read in verse 23, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, in another, thirty. This person not only hears the word of God, but receives the word of God and responds to the word of God. This person understands the cost of following Jesus. This person takes this reproducing word of God and they do just that. They reproduce God's word. They invest God's word into other people so that one day they will be able to harvest a, 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 a yield upon their investment. God's word is extremely fruitful, isn't it? When God's word is invested in our life, it bears fruit. When we invest God's word in other people, it bears fruit. In verse 9, we read, He who has ears, let him hear. He who, every single one of us in this room have ears to hear. Every single one of us in this room have the potential to respond to God's word. God's word is to be invested in our lives through our daily reading as we teach, sit under the teaching of God's word in this room and small rooms. Many of you, as you go to work, turn on the radio and listen to sermon after sermon and you're allowing God's word to be invested in your life. That's what God's word is for. It's to be invested so that once it's invested in our lives, it will multiply through our everyday living. As believers, we need to have an open heart to hear the word of God. Every single one of us need to have an open heart to hear the word of God. We need to develop a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. That's what we set out to do in February when we began um, our 23-month reading program is the plan and the goal is that all of us will develop a hunger for the Word of God. We need to weed out anything that competes with the Word of God. And that's a big one right there. Every, every one of us in this room have a million things that are, are vying for our attention. We need to learn to weed those things out. We need to cultivate a lifestyle of planting God's Word into other people's lives. And then finally, we need to harvest the word of God that has been planted into the lives of others. This word, this seed, God has called us to cast it out and to invest it in other people's lives. Let's do that this week. Let's be a church. Let's be men and women that take God's word and apply it to our lives and also invest it in the lives of others. And also, our takeaway this morning is this. Never underestimate the power of the Word of God. Never underestimate the power of the Word of God because this Word right here changes lives. It's changed my life. When I was a, 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 an 11-year-old boy, Jesus Christ saved me. 
It came as a result of an evangelist preaching the word of God to me. And that word was received, and it began on that day to take root in my life. This word changed my life. And I pray that it changes your life as well. If you're a believer, my prayer is that your life represents this bag of dirt and seed. That God's word is received and it is invested in our lives. It has been planted and it takes root so that it can multiply. You may be here this morning In all the days of your life, your life has represented more of these other three bags. It may be that a lot of times the word of God gets choked out of your life because of all the pressures of life. It may be that, that, um, unfortunately, there's a shallowness to your walk with the Lord. And you hear the word, but the word's never taken root in your life. And then there's some of you in this room that may represent this bag where you only have seeds. You've heard the word all the days of your life, but you've never responded to the word of God. And this morning, if you're hearing, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ because you've never responded to the word of God. I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And that is to repent of your sins and to cry out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And if you do that, God's word is clear that you will be saved. God's word will begin to take root in your life. If you're here this morning, you do not have a relationship with Jesus. In a minute, we're going to have a time of invitation, and I invite you to come. You may be here this morning. You've been visiting this church a while, and the Lord is leading you and your family to be a part of this faith family. I don't know how you need to respond during this time of invitation, but I pray that you will respond. Let's stand together, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then when I say amen, if there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you this morning. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that your word, week in and week out, is cast out across this building. It's cast out on Sunday mornings, it's cast out on Wednesday nights, and it's cast out even as we've got different things that happen throughout the week here. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, and I know that this happens, that as we, many of us, go out into this community, into our cities and across this county, to our places of work, your word continues to be cast out as we invest your word into the lives of other people. And Father, may we always be faithful and diligent to do that very thing. Lord Jesus, I pray this this morning that if there is someone here that has never responded to your word, they've never responded to your voice, they've never responded to the guidance of the Holy Spirit upon their lives, I pray that this morning they'll do that very thing. If there's someone here this morning that does not know for certain if they were to die today, if they would spend eternity in heaven or hell, I pray that this morning, before they leave this place, they will know for certain where they will go. Father, if there's someone here this morning that has been visiting this church for a while and you're leading them to become a part of this faith family, Lord, we invite them this morning to come. Father, just move now during our time of invitation. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
Amen. If there's a decision you need to make this morning, if you need to come trust in Jesus, you come. If you need to come this morning to join this church, you come. Um, You come this morning as we sing. You come.